This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, everyone. I am Jordan Hall, and you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. The Flyers are two games away from the NHL mandated holiday break, and they are in a position that I don't think many envisioned them being in with this rebuilding season. They are 18-10-3, and entering Wednesday night, they are in second place of the Metropolitan Division. So we're going to get into our three biggest takeaways. We're going to take a big-picture look at this 2023-24 Flyers season as the team gets closer to the holiday break and uh, gets ready really for the stretch run to pick back up after the new year. So number one for me, my biggest takeaway is the Flyers are just finding ways, uh, different ways to win games, ways that they were not winning games over the past two to three years. They're winning close games. They're winning games when they jump out to early leads and then build upon leads. They've, they've developed some comebacks recently as well. So good teams really find ways to win different ways. Uh, John Tortorella always says it's a find-a-way league, and they have found a way to win games. And that, to me, is a real sign of growth for this Flyers team. Uh, if you look at it, this season they are 7-4-3 and three in games decided by one goal. Last season they had 21 losses decided by one goal. So really they've taken huge strides in playing tight games and winning when uh when it's winning time, when it's when you need clutch moments uh, in a tie game, or you're down a goal, or you're up a goal, they've really shown uh, impressive strides. And I think a lot of that goes to coaching, and a lot of goes a lot of that goes to some of the experience they have on the roster, and some of the younger players that are getting more experience right now playing in these types of moments. And what's really been impressive recently is the Flyers are six three. Six and three after regulation this season. Last year they were five and thirteen after regulation. So already thirty-one games into the season, they have more wins after regulation than they did all of last season. Uh, and since that loss to the Sharks, the team that was previously winless, the only previously winless team at that point, the Flyers are thirteen three and two. They have the most points in the NHL with twenty-eight since November tenth, that first game back after that Sharks loss. Their PK is in the best in the is best in the league over that span. They've allowed the third fewest goals over that span at 2.22 per game. And they are tied for second in wins by one goal. Seven of those 13 wins have been decided by one goal. So the Flyers really are doing a great job at learning how to win close games, learning how to win in different ways when they're not at their best or when they are able to score goals uh, to build upon leads, kind of dictating momentum. Of games, I'm not sure anyone thought the Flyers would be playing this well in this many close games. Now, perhaps they are living on the edge a little too much. It'll be very interesting to see if they can continue to rattle off wins uh, in this kind of fashion. Uh, you know, will the averages balance out here, and will the Flyers eventually take a dip? Um, 
it's interesting because, as we all know, the power play has struggled mightily. It's been one of the worst power play units in the league, and they really haven't scored goals at a super high clip. They're, the keys to their to their uh, impressive start so far have been limiting goals, preventing goals, uh, and just timely, 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 uh, you know, timely goals. Almost doing things in timely fashion, getting goals when they need one, uh, playing tight hockey, tight checking hockey, and finding ways to win. Uh, those are cliches in, in a, a ton of ways. I've said it before, but those cliches are true. Uh, you have to find ways to win in this league, and they've done it. Um, and to me, the biggest key uh, on this point is the Flyers haven't disregarded their rebuilding promises. Um, for the most part, they have delivered on what they said they wanted to do, which was they were going to allow young players to play. They were going to give them opportunity, but they were also going to support them with veterans. And I think that Danny Briere and John Tortorella – and company have found a really nice balance of young players and veterans. A big emphasis for them was they did not want to block their kids, but they also didn't want to not give them support. They wanted to support them properly. And I think they found a way to do that, but you can't really say they have not fulfilled their rebuilding promises. If you look at it, Tyson Forster is a rookie that's played on the top line almost the entire season. He's played on the power play. Bobby Brink has been here all year has played in a scoring role. He's played on the power play. Cam York is 22 years old, and he's played on the top defensive pair pretty much the whole season. Igor Zamula as well, a young player that's already played a career high in games and has gotten opportunities to play. So they have definitely fulfilled their promises of rebuilding, and it just so happens that I think the vets have supported them well, and it's been a nice blend, and they've gotten great goaltending from two goalies that are 25 years old and younger. So some impressive stuff from the Flyers so far in a season that was deemed a rebuild, but has certainly surprised a ton of people. Celebrity cook Steve Martorano brings his Italian-American cooking back home to Philly. Enjoy Martorano's Prime at Rivers Casino and Steve's famous meatballs with Sunday gravy, prime steaks, and more. Make reservations for Martorano's Prime on Open Table. My second takeaway for this Flyers team has been just how surprising the defensive group has been. I wrote in a predictions article on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com that that position group was by far the biggest question mark. And for good reason. Ivan Provorov was traded. They bought out Tony D'Angelo and Justin Braun retired. So half of that position group had left and was gone. And the Flyers were really filling it with some young players some vets that were going to be getting bigger roles, and no one really knew how it was going to shake out, how uh, people were going to respond to getting more minutes, bigger roles. And they just have a slew of defensemen that are exceeding expectations by a lot. Just look at it across the board. Sean Walker was really acquired by the Flyers as a cap dump by the Kings. Not, I don't think anyone knew what to expect from Sean Walker, even the people in-house. Uh, John Tortorella did not know much about him. He reached out to Todd McClellan, the Kings head coach, just to get a scouting report on him. I don't think the Flyers really knew what they were going to expect from Sean Walker other than a 29-year-old on an expiring contract. He's been so good that he earned power play time, and he's on pace to set career highs in every major category. And a guy that's going to be fielding a lot of calls for Danny Breer at the trade deadline, given he's performing, um, he has experience, and he's on an expiring contract. So contending teams that are looking to make a push for the Stanley Cup, and they're not looking to shake up their roster too much, but they want to add around the margins, they like guys like Sean Walker because he's a rental type, uh, and and they know they're going to get a good player. Another guy is Nick Sealer. 
He's a team plus. He's a team best. Excuse me, plus fifteen. He's playing four more minutes per game than he had in his entire career, and he's just been excellent. He's a glue guy. He's a linchpin on the back end. Teammates love him in the locker room. He stands up for players, and he's probably their truest defender on the back end. And he makes just over the league minimum, also on an expiring contract. So those two guys, Sean Walker and Nick Sealer, I think are going to give Danny Breer really, really tough decisions. For example, if the Flyers are still contending come the March 8 trade deadline, if they were to move on from Nick Sealer because they could cash in on his value and kind of supplement their rebuild with a couple of draft picks, I think the locker room would be bothered a little bit by that because he is so beloved in that locker room and he has helped the Flyers get to where they are now. So it's going to be very interesting to see where the Flyers are come February, come March, if they are still on this kind of run and they are looking like they can make something of this season. Breyer's going to have some really tough decisions. But staying on the back end theme, a couple of other guys that have exceeded expectations, Travis Sanheim is one of them. People strongly debated whether he was even a top pair defenseman. He's playing like a number one defenseman. His minutes have gone up drastically, and he's played well. He's played well with those minutes. He's one point shy of matching his point total from last season. That's in like 50 fewer games. He's been excellent, and he is looking like he's really reaching his prime. And then Cam York, as I mentioned earlier, a 22-year-old that is being featured on the top pair. Everyone knew York had more coming on his plate because of the Ivan Provorov trade, but it was certainly going to be telling to see how he handled it all. He's being featured in a top pair role. He's played on the power play for the most part, and he very much looks like a foundation piece. And then not to forget Rasmus Ristolainen, who is 11 games into the season. He missed the, the start of the year because of an injury, but is playing well. He's grown exponentially really under John Tortorella and assistant coach Brad Shaw. And then there's Mark Stahl, the veteran on the back end, who missed time because of injury, but when he's come in there, he's played. Uh, he's kind of in a rotation right now with Igor Zamola, and that's really not a bad problem for the Flyers is to have to, to decide between a, a young player like Zamola and then also a veteran like Stahl. It gives them opportunities to kind of mix and match, see uh, if they can maybe spell a guy from time to time, especially in back-to-backs when the schedule picks up. So the defensemen have been excellent, really the anchor to this start for the Flyers. And it just happened to be the position group with the biggest question mark going into the season. And my third and final takeaway has been a recent trend uh, coming up here. It's Cam Atkinson, a a veteran guy that is well-respected in the locker room, one of the leaders in this locker room for the Flyers. He doesn't have a letter on his jersey, but he might as well have one. Uh, He's a guy that's played for John Tortorella in the past and is kind of a good buffer between, I think, coaching staff and and players, uh, a guy that can probably help young players out with his experience and also his experience with the head coach. But he has gone 16 games without a goal. And last night on Tuesday night in the team's win, uh, overtime win over the Devils, he skated on the fourth line in the third period. Uh, so that is just really an uncharacteristic goal drought for Cam Atkinson. And it, we're not used to seeing him skate on the fourth line. And that told me that John Tortorella really figured – He had to go with some other players there. He wanted to win that game. It was tight, uh, and it went to overtime, and Atkinson played only 13-48, I believe it was. He played under 14 minutes, uh, and Tortorella really relied on other players. He relied on some younger players because Atkinson just has not been the same goal-scoring threat. So that is something to watch. How do the Flyers 
use Atkinson here moving forward over the final two games before the holiday break? What does it look like when they exit the holiday break? Can they get Atkinson going? I do believe he's going to start start scoring some goals. And he's an important player for them. When he's not scoring goals, don't get me wrong, he is still impacting the game. Uh, he plays the right way. He gets to the net. I think he's a very good example for some of the younger players the Flyers have on this roster. I know he's had a big impact on Joel Farabee. He, he The other day uh, in the middle of a game, uh, second intermission, his line with Farabee, wasn't really going real well. Farabee was pretty frustrated, and Atkinson went up to him at second intermission and said, hey, let's just control what we can control, and that's playing the right way, and I think the goals will come. Lo and behold, Farabee scores a big goal in the third period to tie the game, and the Flyers go on to win it. So that's just an example of Atkinson's experience kind of trumping sometimes when he's not scoring. But that'll be uh, worth watching. How does he? How do the Flyers uh, use Atkinson? How do they get him through this funk? Um, I think players like Scott Lawton and Cam Atkinson can definitely chip in more from a scoring standpoint because if you look at it over the grind of the season, they're going to have some young players go through funks. They do have some young players that are inexperienced. A couple guys like Forster and Brent get in their first full taste of an NHL season. Uh, They still have guys like Tippett and Farabee that are young, Morgan Frost. Uh, The roster is young up front, and when those guys do hit somewhat of a wall, you're going to need players like Atkinson and Lawton, experienced guys, to provide some depth and kind of fill the void while they struggle. So it's going to be really worth watching Cam Atkinson and Scott Lawton moving forward here and see how those veteran guys can impact the lineup when they're not scoring and then how they do impact the lineup when they are scoring. So those are my three biggest takeaways as the Flyers are just two games away from this holiday break. Two more games on Thursday and Friday, Nashville at home, and then Detroit on the road. And then after the holidays, the Flyers are back in action next Thursday in Vancouver. We'll have all the action covered on the Flyers Talk podcast right here. A big thank you to Ben Berry, my podcast producer and guru. He's always flexible with our time and always clutch for us. Thank you so much, Ben, for everything this year. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and a great New Year, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.